Hello, friends, Maestro here, bringing you episode 515 of Maestro on the Mic. Today's episode is a co-hosted episode. I ran this with my bestie, Jill Coleman, a.k.a. Jill Fit, and it is part one of a four-part series that we are doing called Business and Bullshit with My Bestie. These episodes will drop the first four Mondays of... October. I've been talking about it, but if you didn't know, now you know. And I wanted to hop on before the actual episode so that you know what the hell is going on. All right. Hey, DJ. Gimme that teaser. It was 2009 and it was a Friday night at eight o'clock at night. And I'm driving across town like 20 minutes to train one single client for $15. I would be dreading Monday so much. I didn't have time for the Sunday scaries. It was the Friday scaries. And I was like, I will go work at Costco. I hate this so much. I think so many people stay in that level of misery, even a level of just complacency because they go, well, even if I'm miserable, at least it's It's familiar. familiar. Can you give it to me straight? Give it to me real with what beginners should be thinking about of how much work this actually takes to get started and then to continue and then to go to that next mm-hmm. level. Part of the motivation in doing what I do and what we do is I like that many people wouldn't do it. Yeah. I'll be honest. Like, yeah. you know, I think that's the athlete in me and probably it is in you too. Did you fall that. down? Yeah, I fell right <laughs> over it. I could not move. I just ran right into it. I could not lift my leg off the ground. And then I crawled over it and jogged to the finish line. Something that you and I have talked about, Jill, is can anyone do it? Can anyone do this online business thing? What would you tell someone who said, hey, I want to start my online business, but I need to see if social media is worth my time? Jill said earlier that we launched Legacy in Vegas, which we do. You want to share the story of the underboob, Jill? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is actually fucking hilarious. podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Maestro and Jill Fit here, bringing you another episode of our favorite podcast. This podcast episode is going to drop on not on one, but two different podcasts. We're dropping it on mine, Maestro on the Mic, and we are dropping it on Jill Fit's podcast, Fit Biz You. And this is the first of our four-part series that we are lovingly calling Business and Bullshit with My Bestie. <laughs> I like that name. We we I love it. I, I'm a big fan of alliteration. You exactly. Know that. That's why I was like, has to. I added that extra B on. I felt like I did something there because Jill came up with business and bullshit. Uh, so we kind of teased this. I don't know, maybe a few months ago, and we we're like, maybe we could do like a show or something. And we put it on Instagram, and everyone was like, yes, do business and bullshit. So this isn't the official drop, but we were like, let's do a little scout's bite, as Connor would say. Let's do a little taste test and see how it goes. So we got four different episodes coming your way. Today, we're going to talk about the business and the bullshit, and the business part's going to be more so doing the thing. What does that look like? And especially from Jill's side, how to do it 
better. So Jill, I want to pass it right over to you. We're going to bounce back and forth with this folks, but I had just opened my phone. Today's cart open for the public, for Jill, for FBA. And the post that came up, it was a story, of course. And it was like nine years ago. And I was like, I know it's coming here. Can you can you just share that yeah. for anyone who doesn't have any context around what got you doing the thing that you're doing now? Sure. And also, I feel like we should also tell the story of how we met, oh, too. Yeah. The beginning. I don't know if people know that. Um, we met on Bumble BFF. <laughs> no, we didn't. But that is a thing. You can meet your best friends on a dating app. <laughs> See, y'all, this is where the bullshit comes in. We should have just ran with that. <laughs> like, should have just ran with that one. Yeah. Uh, that would have been funny. <laughs> Shout out to Bumble BFF. Um so, yeah, I, I mean, for those of you who maybe don't know, Shantae calls me Jill Fit. I call her Maestro. Those are our, our names, actually. Um, but I started Jill Fit in 2010 when I was a full-time personal trainer and group fitness instructor. For a lot of people maybe listening to this in the trenches as a PT, movement professional, fitness pro, um, chances are at some point you get, to the, you get to the point where you need to figure out how to leverage your time better. And for me, that was in around like 2009, 2010. And at the time, that wasn't, you know, there was no Instagram then. And even Facebook Wild. didn't even have business pages Wild. at that point, um, which is funny because, you know, people always talk about the space being saturated now. I felt like it was saturated then. Looking back, I was like, like I was pretty much a lot of people's very first online coach because I was one of the few, especially women doing like quote, kind of quote unquote fat loss coaching. And I started a blog and I was a terrible writer. I was not, I didn't know this, like I wasn't the smartest person. I didn't know the science. I wasn't like, and I was a terrible writer. I was always a science person. So when uh, I started the blog, I said, you know what? I don't have that much time to do this, to be honest. Like I'm in the gym 70 hours a week, but I can commit to just being consistent. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be messy. There's grammar mistakes, spelling mistakes, like a million emojis, just like the worst. Like don't go to that. Don't go to those <laughs> blogs. But I was really good at one thing and that was consistency. I said, you know what? If I can just show up every single day and I blogged every yeah. single day for two years. So it's basically your exact same story, right? Totally. It's your exact same story. Only you were doing your quote unquote blog on Instagram. Yep. And I wasn't, I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to market myself, but people started reaching out. So it's kind of like what you talk about this, this idea of like give, 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 and then ask, or, or like Hermosi says, give, 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 and then get, because people come to you and just ask like, yep. Hey, I don't know if you do this, but I need to work with you. And so we grew a readership pretty quickly and started doing just one-on-one -on -one distance coaching. And I didn't really know exactly what I was doing, but it was starting to work. And then after about um, like 18 months, we'd grown the online portion of the business to six figures and people started reaching out and they're like, how are you doing what you're doing? And so I didn't know everything, but I, I could at least teach people what we had done. And I say we, because I started bringing on additional coaches, but all of our coaches started being maxed out. And then that was really where we had to figure out how to leverage this thing. And so for those people who may be listening to this, who have worked with Maestro and I in our legacy program, we have a lot of people who come into legacy, which are sort of intermediate you know, business container who are at that place. They're like, I don't want to keep taking on a ton of one-on-ones. Maybe I'm like just, you know, but I have some reps online. I just really need to make this thing work better. And that was really the huge trajectory for me was like how to now have time, freedom, autonomy, flexibility in my schedule, things like that. And I think that was kind of probably similar to you too. Wow. For two years, I did both. I worked in person that, and I worked online for two years. That, I think that's super important to acknowledge is that transition period. Can we back it up for, for a second and talk about the rub there? Because I'm a big proponent of, you know, wait till you hate. Like when the pain is great, you will change. And usually when it's not good enough or not big enough, you just keep doing that. I know I was at a point where I was like, I will literally go work at Costco. No offense if you personally, personally listen and work Same. at Costco. 
I heard there's great benefits. So I was like, I will go work at Costco. And this would be on Friday nights. Like, I would be dreading Monday so much that I, it's all Friday. I don't even get the fucking, I didn't have time for the Sunday scares. It was the Friday scares. And I was like, I will go work at Costco. I hate this so much. And that was like definitely the rub for me where I was like, I got to kind of start trying to figure something out, something else out, which for me initially was leaving traditional clinic and, you know, starting my own thing that was still in person, which I think is kind of the best way to kind of get your reps in there. But uh, the story you tell about your rub with the driving across town, want to share that one? I do love that. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was the moment I started changing things for sure. So it was actually in 2009 and maybe you guys can relate to this, but I was at the time, like I said, full-time personal trainer. My first client was at 5 a.m. I got home after eight o'clock every night and I was working a split shift. I was also still running a university fitness center. So when I wasn't personal training, I was actually running that, that facility. And I remember it was 2009 and it was a Friday night at eight o'clock at night. And I'm driving across town like 20 minutes to train one single client for $15. And when you say that out loud now, it seems like wild, right? But at the time when you're in it, I had this moment where I remember my, you know, my friends and family were like out to dinner. They were having like the weekend, you know, just relaxing. And I literally had this moment where I was like, what am I doing right now? Like what, how, how is this my life? And it really forced me to just pick my head up and look around at the life that I'd created by just doing more and more and more. Because I want to validate if you're listening to this and you're in that sort of like time for money, I get paid when I see a client, I get paid when I see a patient. If I don't see a patient or a client, I go on vacation, I don't get paid. When you're stuck in that sort of all like time for money paradigm, you really think that the only way to make more money is to work more. And I know you and I are very similar in this and that we do have a really strong work ethic. So for me, I was like, well, I mean, shit, if it's an hour, I'm going to take it, right? If a client wants to pay me anything, I'll take it better than nothing. And what happened was I woke up and I hated my life and I hated what I had done in my schedule. I was working late nights. I was working weekends. I had no boundaries with clients. And so that was the moment at which I really started making some small changes to my schedule. And I'll tell you what was the biggest difference. And I'm sure you had this experience too. I started making decisions based on time and not money. And I, that was really scary at first, especially for someone who was just like, well, if I can work, I should work. Mm-hmm. If I, if a client wants to work with me, I should take them on. No discernment. But I started making, because I needed time to create this business if I really wanted to do this. And if you're thinking, if you're on this call and you're kind of thinking about that, first thing is like figuring out how you can create time. I know you're a big batch, you know, batch your projects person. I'm the same way. And a 15, 30 minute slot between clients was never going to be enough time. Like it just wasn't, you know, because I want to validate the stuff that you guys are doing online and you're creating. It's different way of working than client-facing stuff, right? Client, I'm sure all of us could do like, I'm sure you saw how many patients did you see in a day? You could do that with your eyes closed. Just go. 24 clients in a day, but you could probably have done it with your eyes closed, right? Like you had just had so many reps, but then you get home and you're like, okay, now I need to shoot a video and like learn technology. (laughs) And I got to like have ideas and like put two sentences together. (laughs) How is that possible? So I do want to validate that. But the key here is this, and I'm sure you have this same, at some point you have to do something different right? You need a change to change. And to your point, I think so many people stay in that level of misery, even a level of just complacency because they go, well, even if I'm miserable, at least it's It's familiar. familiar. Safe. 
yep. right? Versus, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if I trust myself to really be able to make this work. 100%. Was that similar to your experience 100... too? Like, what was the moment for you where you're just like, what am I doing right now? Uh, Did you have one of I those? I had a few. And one the one that sticks out the most prominently was actually moving, right? Because I want to tie into what you were saying about nothing changes, nothing changes. So Jill and I are basically neighbors. We live, I don't know, it's probably as the crow, fell, as the crow flies, uh, maybe like three miles away. I don't know. But it takes like 20 minutes because we live in LA County. But moving here was a big was a big deal, especially from the outside. Um, but there was, you know, I was thinking about it, but only wanted to do it. And then there was a moment that there was a snowstorm, and I'm like putting on my snow pants to walk <laughs> to the train because <laughs> you have to walk to the train station. That's the one thing you know, live in New York City. Like people forget, like you know, I had a car, but you don't drive to work. You take the train, so you have to fucking walk to the train station. And heaven forbid you are on an elevated train, meaning the ones that are above ground. One, those always get affected by the weather, the weather, and two, you have to stand outside in the cold. So I'm like putting my snow pants on to go walk because it's early. It's like six o'clock. I have to get there for the, the first patient, which means that the sidewalks are not shoveled either because it's fucking early. And I was just like, I am either going to buy a plane ticket or a Canada goose jacket. And I bought a plane ticket. And I didn't move here with that <laughs> trip, but I came and, and looked at looked at the place and it was like nothing changes if nothing changes and i love that you bring up the point about like that familiar misery right it's it's powerful for people and it's comfortable and they will sit with it you know one of the things that brendan burchard says which i love and i know i've shared this with you before which is he says the biggest the biggest barrier to more success is some success. So I actually think it's more dangerous. I think complacency is actually a bit more dangerous. Now i'm not saying that you can't have acceptance in your life or you're just like, you know what, this is good for me. We work with people all the time who are just like, I don't want a million dollar business. They're like, I'd like to have, you know, 10 to 20 clients on my roster and I'm making a good living and I get to create my life and whatever. We're not saying that, but I do think that if you are in that place where you're literally thinking like, I would just rather work at Starbucks, you know, get free coffee, have good benefits, (laughs) like, you know, and, and not be doing this thing. This is such a headache, you know? And I think you have to have that moment like you had where you're just like, what am I doing? It's so funny, like that story, because what am I doing? just knowing you and I'm how much you snow pants, hate Joe. the cold. Y'all, I cannot even get Shantae <laughs> to come snowboarding with me because she's already anticipating how cold it's going to be on the mountain. It's going to be cold and I might get injured. One of the last times, whatever, two years ago, three years ago, Jill went and texted me and her arm fell off. And I was like, well, I'm done then. I'm not even going because <laughs> unlike Jill... I don't just heal up. I got injuries from 15 years ago. I'm still working through. Jill's like, oh, I took some collagen and went in the sauna and I'm better. And I'm like, <laughs> just glue it back up with some collagen. No, that's not true. Maestro <laughs> rehabbed me for 12 weeks and now my shoulder works Best again. Ever. She was dislocated. Like, I'm just I had to trade. going to get stronger and do shoulder presses on day two. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, just don't do too <laughs> I'm many. like, I'll just keep adding weight to landmines <laughs> and never get my full range of motion back. It'll be fine. But even hearing your story, like knowing that, and you know, and not everyone, and I obviously don't wish this on someone, but I think there has to be a moment yeah. where it's not ever going to be like, hell yes. You know, it's never like, oh, I'm like, I'm so pumped. I'm going to move to California. And I know exactly right. what's going to happen. And like, it's going to be great. Like there's always going to be fear, but all it needs to be is 51% right? That's it to make a choice. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. It doesn't have to be 90%. It just has to be 51%. I need something else, which is better than 49% of I'm just going to stay here in this holding pattern. 100%. And so I always love listening to your podcast. And when you say things like you always give people an out, you're like, look, you don't have to do that, but then you do have to be good with the consequences. 
you don't have to do it if you don't want to. You don't have to grind. You don't have nope. to, you know, do the most, but realize that, you know, then maybe you're not going to get the that's result it. of someone who's doing mm. the most or that's putting themselves out there or someone's taking a risk or someone is investing in themselves. Bad. Jill, I want to back it up because I think there's a really important part that you said there. Just, And I think the majority of the listeners in general are like this, but I also think it just needs to fucking be said. And one of the episodes, like the episode that dropped today on my podcast was like, you better work, bitch. Like this is not, it's going to, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes, uh, you know, pushing at times. But one of the things you said was this like, you came from a place and this is just inherently Jill. You can look at her physique and know this. Like you came from a place where if you had more time, you're like, I'm going to work. Like that is always the the default. What do you see? Cause you are, like you said, definitely in the trenches, but like, can you give it to me straight? Give it to me real with like what beginners should be thinking about of like how much work this actually takes to get started and then to continue and then to go to that next mm-hmm. level. So, starting a business is really interesting. So I have a course called FBA, which is for beginners uh, to online business. And um, what's really interesting is that we see a lot of the same patterns with people who want to change their physique or want to have like some kind of body change, lose weight, get stronger, whatever, is this very like gung ho. I am so excited. I'm going to create this new reality for myself. And dude, I love that. Like I love the, the excitement. I love, you know, being inspired. I love the early stages. You know, it's funny. They actually show in research that people get more excited about a new diet before it starts yeah. than when it happens, the, right? Cause they got the meal plan. They got the food list. They're going to the store, buying the stuff, like making the food. Same. And so I will say with business, I think especially the way some marketers will share about online business is like, it's fast, it's easy, mm-hmm. it's cheap. It's like, you know, and then they're like, just follow my one, two, three <laughs> plan. And then you're going to have a million dollar business. And honestly, like I am a marketer, but I fucking That's hate marketers. Like in a way, yeah. I'm just like, it ruins, it ruins it for all of us. But here's the deal. Is this challenging? Sure. Like you have to learn a whole new skill set. You don't know business. I think people get in going, well, it's just social media, right? It's like common sense. I'll just do what Shantae does. I'll just copy what Shantae does. And that might get you a little bit away there, maybe a step or two. But at some point, you're going to have to learn business. It's not just about, okay, I posted on social media, check the box. It's like, cool. Do you really want to make the same career? And I don't think everyone has to, by the way. You might just be like, you know what? I want to bring on a couple of clients. I want to supplement my income that I'm already in person. That's fine. But it is challenging, which is why it can't be like, I need this thing to work. Whenever you and I, and it's funny because we, when we open legacy, we do an application for legacy and, um, we actually, one of our red flags for applicants is this idea of urgency. This like, we need this to work. I think we did have someone a couple of years ago who applied and was like, my app is, you know, my app is launching like in two weeks. So I need this. And I was just like, no, like, I mean, and you and I are both that way. And it's not because this person's not a great person and a nice person and whatever, but it was just like, it can't, we can't operate from that place of urgency and scarcity and like desperation. So I would love if you just expanded on that because I think you're the ultimate example of someone who just like relaxes into their business, still always ambitious, still always wanting to learn more, always, you know, investing in yourself, investing in your skills, but you realize that you have all the time in the world to make this work and you're not trying to rush it. You're not trying to squeeze it this tight. I mean, you literally have the least anxiety of anyone I know when it comes to to business. I think that 
one of the things that we have in common is the self-trust, right? Where we're like, I'm going to figure it out. During COVID, a quote that I used a ton from Seth Godin was playing it safe is risky. And the traditional safe was like work for someone else and have this job in like a corporation because it's predictable until like they're like, you're furloughed and you have no money. And you're like, that is not safe at all. And you know, people talk about or ask about starting an online business and things like that. It's like, do you trust yourself? I trust myself and Jill 12 out of 10, 12 out of 10 times more than anything else. Like I know that I'll figure out a way to do it. And so, you know, that allows, allowed me to, to take steps. But I think that to speak to what, you know, you're, you're saying there is creating safety. I am like <laughs> the PPE person, the protective equip, equipment person. Jill and I be going skating one time only because I was like, this is very dangerous, Jill. There's sand <laughs> on here. This is where it's hills. And I'm like, I need safety. I'm going to have a helmet on. If I wear a mouth guard, I'm probably going to wear that. And so when I go to do things, I'm like making sure that, that, if a worst case scenario happens, like it's okay. I think for many people, it's th- that's the financial side of it is like, if something happens, am I okay? Make sure you're okay. Like save money, go and do something else and maybe get the job at Costco or whatever. And that I stayed when doing PT and doing, um, you know, my, my cash based side of things and working with rock tape for a long time, because I was like, I need to have money so that if I go and take the sleep and it doesn't work. I'm okay. But also so that I can give myself the time for it to work. Cause I know that it's going to take a long time. I, I think one of the things, how did you know that though? Like, how did you know it was going to take a long time? I don't even know that I had that. I, like, I don't even know that I had that insight in my head. Like I didn't have, how long is this going to take? Totally. I wasn't even thinking about that. I, I think that, I think that's it. It's the same thing as well, where it's like, either you're not thinking about it, which is like when people talk about finding a relationship, it's you're going to find it when you're not looking for it. And I think that we know just like if something that's worth working for, something that you're trying, like shit takes time. Like you want to grow muscles, you want to get better at something, like it's going to take time. And I think that that's a really good point you bring up that I don't, I wasn't in my mind, like it's going to take two years, but I wasn't thinking about the time. I didn't need it to take a shorter or a certain amount of time or a shorter amount of time. I was just like, well, it also like requires that you have a there to go, you know, like it requires people. And I do hear people say like, you know, when will I get there? And I'm like, where's there? Where? You know, like, where is there? You know, I don't remember ever thinking to myself, this needs to be a six-figure business. I also want to validate when I was starting in 2010, we weren't seeing the kind of numbers, the visibility of like 10K months and like million-dollar business. Like, no one was talking about that. That wasn't even a thing. There was no Instagram ads or no Facebook ads with numbers. So there there wasn't even a place you could have 100,000 followers. Like on Facebook, (laughs) you had like 5,000 friends if you were lucky and that was it. So, you know, I don't, we weren't seeing those kind of numbers. So I think if you can maintain that level of, uh, what's the word? Like just organic showing up because you just want to do this thing. You know, I just found it fun. I was like, I'm having these conversations with my clients every day. Why not just put them on the internet so other people can learn? There was no expectation of like, there needs to be this many likes or this needs to be that this many readers or this needs to get as many, you know, messages or shares. So I do want to validate things. Uh, things are a little bit different. How does someone who is maybe focused a little bit on the where are we going? How long is it going to take to get there? How many likes am I getting? Am I progressing? What advice would you give someone who is kind of looking at the metrics and going like and trying to figure out, am I there? Am I getting closer? When am I going to be there? Yeah, totally. What would like be your the worst fucking question. It's from someone that I don't really like working with. But like one is that magic number of 18 months minimum. And then going back to what we talked about earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, do the most. Like, are you doing the most? Are you doing, how many posts are you doing a day? Can you do more? Okay, then do more. Like, if you're going to be all up in the numbers, then I want you to create more numbers 
right? So yeah, we're going to validate. I definitely want to validate like what you said about it's different now because you can see things and there's other people that you can compare to if you, if you must, but also like, I'll be the, Jill's the nicest lady ever. She's great with words, nicest lady ever. And I'm just going to be over here. Like also like take some fucking personal responsibility and know if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. If it was easy to make $10,000 get $10,000 a month, whatever fucking price you want, whatever number you want, everyone would be doing it right away. Like, you know if something's too good to be true and I need people to take personal responsibility be like, oh, I got duped and then don't get duped again. So for the person that's coming in, you already know, like I'm going to, hopefully they've come to the ecosystem so they already know like not to ask me that question. But if they must, or it's like, you know, it's on some like webinar, then I'll give them the 18 months and I'm like, but I'm going to take you back to what I did when I first started and what I would do now, which would be, I would be posting two to three times a day. I would be, so when I started, I was blogging as well and I had to take blogs down, Jill. So I was blogging once a week and I was posting every day, two to three times a day. And I was blogging about like PT stuff though. And one of the blogs I did was about um, abdominal, it was about visceral massage, right? For, I was doing pelvic floor physical therapy at the time. And so I was talking about like, if there's constipation issues and like that. Jill, that's the number one hit for my website. SEO traffic. Yes, I had to pull it down. People are trying to buy stuff People, on it, and you're like, I don't do I that. Take, I take it down. <laughs> it was like the number one hit for like, can you feel your colon from the outside? Can you – something about poop. And I was like, we have to take legs. We have to take it down. <laughs> this is bringing me the wrong kind of – like literally number one ranking. And I was like, no, this ain't it. So what I was saying is if I was starting out now – I'd be doing the most. That's what I fucking did then. It was, I'm doing Instagram every day. I was doing a blog every day. It took me about three years to you know, dive into doing a podcast, but I'd be like, cool, you want numbers? Then generate the most data. And then we can talk about the other side of the numbers and the fi- kind of financial side, which is typically the other side of the numbers. What would you say to them? Yeah. I mean, well, actually I'm interested in this because I think and I know this is like kind of cliche, but I do, for me, part of the motivation in doing what I do and what we do is I like that many people wouldn't do it. Yeah. I'll be honest. Like, you know, I think that's the athlete in me and probably it is in you too. I kind of like the next skill set. It's one of the reasons why like a couple of years ago at Jill Fit, we wanted to scale the business and we brought on team and all this kind of stuff. And that was partially because I was just like, I want to learn a new skill. I want to get better at something. I want to get, you know, like I want to learn something new. And so I think there has to be a part of you who wants to be in the 1%. Like the when yeah. I say the one percent, I mean like economically. Yeah. I mean the one percent of people who would actually do these one percent actions. Yeah, and it, that's what makes it special in a way, you yes. know. And maybe people aren't motivated that way. I'm definitely motivated that way, not because I want to suffer more than the the next person. I don't want no. that. I don't. I don't want to no. martyr myself out. I don't want to be a victim. But I'm like, I want to see how far I can push this. I want to see how good I can get. And I think if you are driven by, I want to get more proficient at something, and I really want to see what I can do. That's a lot of the type of people we do have in legacy. They're like, I'm good if I don't or if it flops or I make a mistake or whatever, but I just want to get better. And I think if you come at it from that angle, like I'm learning a new skill and I'm going to see how good I can get at this, then you don't fall into the comparison trap. Then you don't fall into these like massive, you know, self-doubt and things like that. You're just like, this is for me. And if it helps one fucking person. Then, then it's worth then. it, you know, and that's, and that's always where I came from with my blog. You know, I wasn't having a, I didn't know, no one knew me. I had no connections yeah. in the industry. I wasn't speaking and doing all these things. I literally was like, 
I hope my mom reads this. Right? <laughs> like, I hope like one right, person reads maybe. this and gets something out of it. Or it's like, I would just That's proud because I was like, yo, I learned, I made a fucking Squarespace website. I'm like making these blogs. I'm putting pictures in there that I like, I don't even know how I made them. In my mind, I'm thinking back because Canva definitely wasn't a thing. I'm like, I fear on like PowerPoint. I was literally, shit. I think I made it on PowerPoint. <laughs> and like <laughs> screenshot that, put it in the, the fucking blog. And I'm like, super proud of that. And like, that's definitely, you know, if you ever work with Jill and I or hang out with Jill and I, you know, there's just so many shared values and, and coming at it from the, I think that's definitely kind of a, to steal a Brianna Battles kind of thing. It's like an athlete brain thing where you're like, yeah, I just want to be the, the fucking best at this. And yeah, I know we can run the rabbit hole of like best and then comparing, but like, fuck, like I want to be really fucking good at this thing. Like I want to be able to say that I can do these videos and edit these videos and I understand the lighting that goes into it. And side note, Maybe this is the bullshit part. That's one of the, the coolest things I think about working with Jill is that we do have like complementary skills and interests where I'm just like, I love this side of it. And Jill's like, I fucking love this side. And I'm like, amazing. Cause I don't really want to do that. <laughs> you'll, you'll definitely be researching the lighting exactly. and I'll be like, you, tell me what one to get. No fucking way I'm, re- I'm reading 26 reviews. Well, this is why I don't have to return anything. Cause that's an errand and fucking errand. <laughs> so just- but you know, I think that goes to the point of, um, of partnerships too, which we don't have to talk about, but you know, I think one of the most important things when it comes to partnership is having shared values and shared work ethic. You know what I mean? You and I are very similar in that way. Like we'll figure it out. We, and we also, I think both of us really do appreciate excellence too, you know, and not that everything's be perfect. I'm not a perfectionist by any means, but excellence in terms of like when we created legacy, I remember you and I, we went to Vegas and we kind of talked through the details. We ended up launching it. And we both of us were just like, there's nothing like this on the market. Nothing. There's nothing like this on the market. And then I proceeded to say that I felt bad for yes. people who didn't apply because it was going <laughs> to be so, so fucking, fucking good. good. And of course it was, right? But I mean, we've learned so much since that first year. This is going to be our fourth time running it coming up soon. But I do think that both of us want to get better. I think it's really easy to just be to coast. And sometimes you coast. Totally. I mean, here's the totally. thing. You have a long career. Like I've been doing this 13 years. There's been years I was like, I got divorced. I went through personal stuff. Like, you know what I mean? There's things like that where you just are in more of a holding pattern. But then you always come back to, okay, what's the next thing? And yeah. the cool thing about this space is that it's always changing. You know, like you probably wouldn't have diversified into YouTube until totally. uh, like unless you saw like some of the change totally. that we're having in Instagram. Totally. And you're like, and I don't want to fucking do TikTok. So what else is yep. there? Right. But you're but you're thinking about the space and you're staying on the pulse of the industry. I think that's one of the biggest things. And my first one of my first business mentors, Rachel Cosgrove, who you know, she said that to me, like, gosh, this is like my first, second year in business. She said, cultivate high self-worth. And I think you can cultivate high self-worth by staying on the pulse of what's happening in your industry. You got to be thinking, how are people buying stuff? Where are they buying things, right? If, if people aren't buying from you, then why not? Why aren't they, right? It's just one big puzzle. And when you stay on the pulse of what's happening in the industry and you stay ahead of it and you research and you read and you listen to podcasts and you, you know, try things out, then you'd never have to worry about being able to get someone a result because you know what the fuck is happening in your industry, yeah. right? And so, yeah, I want to validate times you might be in a holding pattern, but I think Shantae and I both, again, we strive for excellence in that, like, we take it very seriously. If a client is having a, an issue, like, we take it very seriously. We're like, we're going to figure this out because we know that the playbook exists. We have to go figure out what your specific playbook is. And that's what, one of the things I love about working with you is you treat every one of our clients differently in terms of what they need. You're very specific on like, this person should do more of this, or this person should never do that. Or like, which I think a lot of coaches just have like one thing. So we all know that phrase, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. 
And I feel like the way that you coach our clients in legacy, especially, is you're very specific on who should be doing what and who should maybe not be doing totally. what. But everyone has their own unique success totally. formula, and you're really good at picking it out, which is why, obviously, you do great with branding is because you just say, like, hey, this is your USP, and more of that, less of that, and our clients do great yeah. because of that. It's, and I think a lot of coaches, again, they have one shtick, and they're like, everyone. everyone needs to do webinars, yeah. or everyone should be doing a membership, and they just have this one thing that they roll out to their clients. And we have clients who do all different things and have success. Totally. And I feel like that's definitely one of your totally, strong This is like the alley-oop. This is the uh, bestie part of the podcast title. Because this is why I love working with Jill, is that exactly like what she was saying. One of the things I really love doing is figuring out what problem to solve. And Jill is just unmatched in solving the problem. She's like, here's 59,000 different solutions. <laughs> and I said it in three seconds. And then don't worry, we'll go over it again. And it's so much fun because I don't necessarily, sometimes I don't love doing that part of that side of things. And also like Jill invented the internet, right? You invented the internet, you invented online business. So in terms of like, okay, cool. I've, I've done it this way. I've tried it this way. I'm in the trenches with this. I've seen people do it this way. She can get specific with it, which is what makes working with you just the fucking best because I get to do what I like doing. You get to do what you're so fucking good at doing. And then our clients, our patients, excuse me, our clients get these, uh, you know, I'm going to say unreal results to to uh, do a hat tip to, to Anna. It is always cool. Like when they message me and they're like, they'll ask me a question and then go, actually, maybe I'll ask Shantae that. And I'm like, yeah, go ask yeah, her that. Like, cause it's, I just know yeah. it's the thing that you're the yeah. best at. And so it's like, they'll, they'll, they'll like, they know it's who to go best. to for what, which is really the best. cool. I did a Vox the other day with, who was it? One of our, one of our people from the legacy continued. And I was like, okay, this is the thing to be working on. And I was like, you have to go message Jill right now and ask her how. I, don't, I was like, I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you solve that, but like, that's the problem. We've identified it. And she was like, oh yeah, yeah great. I'm going to message Jill. And I was like, yes, I love that we have that. Uh, that alley oop. I wanna I wanna take it back because I did write a little bit of like questions that I wanted things that I wanted to cover in this episode. And one of the okay. things that you said, and that's actually kind of meta to this episode. Um, and as we're speaking to, you know, with this with this episode, these episodes that we're doing, we have a very diverse group of people in terms of like where they're at in their journey. So you listening to this, maybe thinking about online business, maybe like nothing about it at all. Maybe you're a beginner, maybe you're more intermediate, maybe you're advanced, depending on, you know, just who you are. But Something that I think transcends all of those is, like you were saying, cultivating that that self-worth, but also speaking about that self-confidence and trusting yourself to do it. So mm. like with this episode and with these four episodes, mm -hmm. I really wanted to do them in person. Not that we're not going to, but I'm like, I have to sit here with the technology because excellence is a thing for us. And I'm like, I don't want this to look jacka jacka if we do it in person. So we were like, cool, we can still do it on Riverside. We still have the... the um, the technology to do it and they're still going to be up to a level that we are, are are happy with but as it relates to two parts here one just trusting yourself to figure it out mm. where does that come from how does someone cultivate that and then because i got two parts here jill when we're thinking about those people that are intermediate and intermediate plus i think some of them have that confidence but then they just be doing too much and they're like well i can figure mm. it out if i can figure it out so where does it come from and then how does that kind of go into like mm -hmm. discernment yeah, you and I have had this conversation quite a bit. I do think that um, that sports helped quite a bit. And you and I have talked about that, this idea of, you know, one of the things I love about sports and competing, I was always more of like a, um, a individual athlete. I was track and field athlete, heptathlon. I was a rower. I was a figure competitor. 
meathead. Like I just, I loved pushing myself to see how far I could go. It wasn't really about like the team. Mm -hmm. It was more about like, okay, how can I push myself? But the thing I love about sports and the thing that I loved even when I was competing is that you can practice and you can bring your best effort and you can do all the things. You can eat the right foods. You can get the rest. You can, you know, you can do all those things and you can still get your ass kicked. And I think having a lot of experiences where you did lose and things didn't go right. And I remember I lost in the, um, I went to the, in high school, I went to the uh, state track meet for the 300 meter hurdles. And I was in the finals and I was in first place. <laughs> I was in first place in the finals. And I came to the, gosh, I think it was the very last hurdle. I literally could not leave the ground. I couldn't just, jump. Like I, I couldn't. My legs still? were so dead. I was running the fastest race of my life. I just plowed there, there right go. through it. <laughs> and I came in like fourth or something like after that. I like came in like fourth. I literally, my legs would not move. I've never heard I just story. went right through it. And I remember that moment being like so devastating. I'm a senior in high school. Like I think I was like graduation was the next week or something. But I learned so much about just resiliency as one of many examples, right? And I mean, I know you played high level sports too, when you just get to that point where you survive really hard things and even in your personal life too. But I think all of that show of evidence allows for you to take more risks because you go, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do trust myself to figure it out. Or I, even I trust myself uh, to handle the fallout. One of my favorite productivity tools is something called practical pessimism, which in like when you when you look at it from the outside, it looks kind of negative, but really it's about going to worst case scenario. Totally. And I know you do this as well from like a safety perspective. I do it from a productivity perspective. I think to myself, okay, like what the thing that I'm scared of doing, whether whether it's starting your business, maybe drawing a line in the sand, maybe having an opinion on social media, maybe you're worried about getting a troll or a hater, maybe you're thinking about I want to launch something, but what if no one purchases? Right? Like you have all these things, these kind of worst case. I think some people think, well, if I think about the worst case, I'm inviting it to happen. Right? It's the whole manifestation argument. Like if you can't even think about something, or else you're like you're open to it, or like. But to me, I love going to worst case scenario because yeah. once you do. You're like, you can ask yourself two questions. Number one, would I be okay? There you go. Answer is always fucking yes, there right? It's not going to be awesome. It's not going to feel good when you lose and you have to run through your hurdle. Like, <laughs> it's like physically. Never the, knew that story, Jill. In my mind, yeah. I'm imagining the hurdle just explodes. <laughs> Jill and her quads just no. came through that fucking hurdle. Just right through. Yeah, I wish it was that. I wish. I wish Did it you was fall like down? Yeah, I felt right over it. I could not move. I just ran right into it. I could not lift my leg off the ground. They like, and then I crawled over it. I crawled over it and jogged to the finish line. The last hurdle, running the fastest of my entire life. So yeah, but so the second question, the so first question is like number one, like would I be okay? Of course you would, right? You can, there's, you never get more than you can handle. Second question is what's one thing that you could do to get back to baseline? So let's say you launch something. And you go, well, I want to launch this thing, but I have no idea. And by the way, you guys, that never goes away. <laughs> like before my launches, every single time I hold my breath. Well, let's, let's see. see how yeah, it goes. There's just see. no way. Like, yeah, you can predict, like you can kind of reasonably predict some some numbers based on, you know, weightless numbers and lead gen numbers. But for the most part, you always have that moment where you're not exactly sure. But you put yourself in the ring anyway, because you go, well, if it doesn't do what I would like it to do, I know there's 50 other workarounds and it was 50 other things I could possibly do. So I do think there's a, an element of 
being open to different possibilities and it looking different than it needs to look, you know? So people go, well, I want to get 10 units. And I'm like, cool, you got three. What are we going to do? What else? We got, what, what else can we do? Can we do another lead magnet? Can we do some personal invites? Can we do a, some sales calls? Like what else is there? And I think a lot of people have this sort of all or nothing finality mentality to go like, well, if it didn't work the first mm-hmm. time, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And to me, I'm just like, there's a million ways to arrive at success. You're only job is to find out the one that's going to work totally. for you. And maybe it's not going to be the first totally. one. It's so interesting. Cause we just, we always think about the kind of this, the like psychology side of it and you'll have people that will just do anything, keep trying and just keep showing up. Like even if you're not working with them, you can just see them. And then this question that you asked that you said, yeah, I'll be okay. I think that actually is where some people, you know, in the beginner phase, that's where they get held up where they, you can do this. They go, I won't exactly. be Exactly. Okay. Like, I won't be okay. What is, what do you, when you think about that, or maybe you work with people uh, like that who have said that, maybe I wouldn't be okay. Even that, I mean, I'm not saying there's not negative emotions, I'm not saying you're not going to have disappointment, frustration, you know, anger, sadness, whatever. I mean, those are all valid, but would you be able to get through it? Like asking something and I don't know, like look at everything else in your life that you've survived. Uh, it's, it's so interesting. Have you gone through a bad breakup? Have you lost a loved one? Have you, you know, like it's never fun. So this is, folks, why I, I say, and I will say it till the day I die, that Jill's the nicest lady ever. Because in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to work with that person. It's totally valid <laughs> if that's where you get. And you're just like, I wouldn't be okay. And I'm like, okay, go resolve that. And because very, you know, I'm thinking about my girl, Rachel Strickland right now, because she calls them gremlins. And the gremlins are real. Hey, Rachel. She's the best, right? Gremlins are awesome. real. But as she says, they're also liars. And it's very interesting. I think one of the things she's probably the best at is helping people through that and, and quieting the liars or just like having the liars there and still, still doing the things because when that comes up and they're like, I will not be okay. Logically you and I are like, but look at all of this evidence and people, some people can't do that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't overlap. You know, and if, if that's where you're at, I will say that's not my, my skill set. It's not my strong suit of being like, I'm going to yeah. get you to believe it. That's, I, I'll gladly plug Rachel and it's what she really loves doing. Because it does take that ability to see like, to borrow confidence. You can borrow from someone else or you can borrow from other areas in your life and be like, I did that. I didn't die. That was really hard. This thing, I trust myself to handle the outcome. We know confidence doesn't come from trusting yourself to do the thing. It comes from trusting yourself to handle the outcome. If I'm going to jump, do I trust myself to trust myself to land? Me? No. That's why I'm not jumping on stuff. I don't be going snowboarding for the same reasons. I don't trust myself to handle that outcome. I'm like, my body might actually break. But if we're not... Well, confidence is area specific, right? For sure. So like, yes, we can borrow confidence. Like, I, I don't know. I think about moms all the time. When you had your first kid, y'all didn't know what the fuck you were doing. You were just like, let me have this baby send him home. and then see what happens. But you said to yourself, what? I'll Fair work enough. at being a good mom, right? I'll figure it out. I'll work at being a good mom. That's all you need for business. I'll work at being a better business owner. You knew that having a kid wasn't going to be easy, right? Business is the same thing. But I agree with you. I think and confidence is specific, which is why I love when you always talk about like, hey, you got to get reps. Like at the end of the point, day, if you want to get better at something, you have to get in that ring to get better at that thing. I mean, I don't know any other skill that anyone would think you just start it and you're automatically good at it. You know, think about learning a new language or we, you know, I don't know, I'm learning Italian. I go to Italy. I know I'm going to mess up day one, but when it comes to business, for whatever reason, we expect that things will just be smooth sailing or, you know, actually this is, I got this from your boy, Ramit, who I know you love. He, I don't know who loves him more, you or Danny (laughs) Coleman, but 
<laughs> he has this thing he calls a uh, failure expectation. And he says there's two types of people. There's the person who thinks like I'm going to do something and it's going to be smooth sailing. Like it's just going to be easy. I just follow the script. I'm going to, it's A plus B equals C. And then he goes, there's the kind of people who know that obstacles are going to pop up. And when people are in the first camp, they crumble at the first sign of anything like tech, right? That could be mm -hmm. a big, like, you know, you have to sit with tech problems at times. You got to, I call it tech tenacity. You got to like sit yep. there and like, like Figure click on yes. shit and like whatever. <laughs> and then there's the second group of people who realize that this isn't going to be easy. And what I'm doing is probably going to have some challenges. So when inevitably the first challenge pops up, they go, well, I knew it was coming at some point. So what's the workaround, right? It's the resourcefulness and it's really that that willingness. You don't know what's going to come up. No one knows what's going to come up, but there's only one way to find out what's going to come up. How, you know, people say, they just want a guarantee and that's uh, what's I think really hard totally. for this. They want the guarantee of like, well, if I do this, that certainty. then a year from now, I'll definitely have this, right? And I'm like, guess what? We won't know what a year from now is going to look like until a year from now. A year from now. Like we just won't know, right? Could be way fucking better than you could ever imagine. I don't know why it's a negativity bias, right? We always assume it's going to be worse. Totally. We're like, well, if I do this thing, if it doesn't work, and I'm just like, I have a, I'm, a, I'm actually launching FBA right now, doing some calls this morning or DMing with people who are interested. And this one woman is like, she was like, okay. I think I can make this investment work. And I was like, you should be able to pay these payments if you or have a good business coach who can yeah. help me make money. Like, it's not just coming out of your, like, yes, it's coming out of your pocket initially, but like, you should be able to make this investment back in yeah. like 30 days. But for whatever reason, we don't think that. We think like, oh, it's going to take a long time, whatever. It's like, I don't know, to me, if you're doing the things, then why wouldn't you? And the, the best part of it being in legacy or being in a group where you have someone who's maybe a couple of years ahead of you or has success that you want or whatever, they can open up their playbook and tell you. I mean, Shantae yeah. has probably done and had every experience, bump in the road, obstacle pop up that's, that any one of you are going to encounter and can speak to that intelligently. And it's wild to me that people don't get mentorship because they just think, oh. I don't know, like... I could figure it out or like, you know, whatever. It's like going to someone like you who has had that experience or myself who has that experience, just get the, get you there a lot faster. Totally. I think it speaks to that. Like that part is, especially if you're that person that I don't want to say needs certainty, but trends towards that side. The best thing that you can do is to get someone that's already been there. If you're just like, I fucking will figure it out. I'm cool. I am not trying to go as fast as possible. Then go ahead figure it out. Like that's fine. But if you know that if you're like, one, I like help. I like having someone else there. Or if you know that you're like, I do want to do what I can to try and remove as much uncertainty as possible. Because you can't guarantee certainty. But I think you can kind of remove some of the uncertainty with things and be like, all right, well, I did this thing. I did this thing. It doesn't guarantee an outcome, but we can try and remove some of the other stuff. Then, yeah, go to someone that's done it and is doing the thing that you want to be doing. And big one has the values that you have, right? I think that's where people fall I watch people in the stuff. I had a friend reach out the other day and they were like, what do you think about this coach's business program? And I was like, throw it in the trash. I'm offended that you asked me this because you know, I'm going to tell you to work with Jill. And what is this? It's because I, I know the values. Like if you're looking at coaching, if you're looking at working with somebody, come on, like that just goes without saying. So, you know, people circling back to what we said earlier and, and the shitty marketing that's out there, like, that's the values that that person has. That's what they're going to be leading with. And that's if that's how you are too, cool, fine, then it's a good fit. But otherwise, like, I think it's pretty – it becomes to me very clear on who to work with. And, and I think that ties into what we talked about even earlier was 
people are over willing to overlook shitty values when there's urgency. They're like, but I just need this thing. And I'm like, right. let's remove the urgency. Let's do this thing because we enjoy it. Let's do it for us. Let's create financial safety with something else that is a bit more predictable. Like go get a regular job. It's fine. Because then you go to work, you get paid. The input and the output match. But, you know. You know, I think that when you talk about guarantees, I agree with you. Like there's, you know, there's really no guarantee. But you know what is a guarantee? Is if you don't do anything, then you won't have anything. Like Look at that. You're, like, you're, like you're already the most <laughs> secure that. place right now, right? Like the, the guarantee of I don't, like I don't start this thing. I don't publish. You know, I had someone um, actually say to me or ask me a couple weeks ago, and I, lo- I actually didn't bring this up to you, but I would love your take on it. I think I know what you say, but they said, I need to figure out when I start my business if social media is worth my time. Oh. Like I need yeah, to, like, that's totally. what they're trying to figure out. Is social media worth my time? What would you tell someone who said like, Hey, I want to start my online business, but I need to see if social media is worth my totally. time. I mean, I would just back it up and be like, make things worth your time. It's whether it's anything in life. It's just taking that personal responsibility. Like it's like when someone's thinking about go, I'm going to, for my PTs out there, when you're thinking about going to a conference or a course, make it worth your time. It's as simple as that. Like they could teach you the worst shit there, but you're like, I'm going to make a connection with somebody. And so then suddenly it was worth my time and just take responsibility for the success of this thing, as opposed to being like, let me just put it into the ether, into the internet. And I'm going to base whether it's worth it based on this largely, probably financial ROI, like flip it and be like, I'm going to make it worth my time. I'm going to, you can, again, ties into our question from earlier, kind of metrics to be looking at. Yes, you could be looking at the easiest, simplest metric, which is just basic numbers of like followers and likes, neither of which directly pay your bills. We could be looking at sales, which is way, way better. But we can also be looking at things that when we're in the beginning are more important and, and will actually move the needle more, which is clarity of messaging, like confidence in how you're showing up. You can look at that. You can create a metric around that. How quickly did you post this thing? How easy was it? How long did it take to go from idea to actual content? How specific are you being with your content? How willing are you to draw a line in the sand with your content? We can look at those things. And so those are metrics that we can say, all right, I'm going to make it worth my time. Because even if the financial, let's say, ROI isn't there, you can take those skills, those wins, and you can use it with something else. You'd be like, all right, I'm going to go try a podcast, or I'm going to go try a blog, or I'm going to go try in-person marketing. That might matter. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also want to validate, like, I don't think you have to jump in with two feet. You're not like, okay, like, you always talk about don't burn the ships. Yeah. But I also think, you know, especially when it comes to social media, when it comes to posting yourself, and it was interesting, I had, um, I'm doing this free training for FBA, and I taught them like sort of how to tell their own story online on social media. And a couple of the gals were so nervous because they're like, it's getting too much attention. Like they post Mm -hmm. their story and they talk about their transformation and they're like, I'm about to delete it. I'm getting too many comments. Too many people are paying attention to me. I hate attention. And so I kind of had this whole, like this teaching moment with everybody in the group. And I was like, what's your relationship to attention? You know, do you see it as a bad Mm -hmm. thing? There's no way to have a successful online coaching business and also not have attention. So I want to validate that if you're in the newer stages, that's going to feel like I call them a vulnerability PR. Like we PR in the gym, we, you know, personal record, whatever. These are vulnerability PRs. You don't come out day one you know, I don't know, posting the most, you know, vulnerable thing, you do like one little thing. It's funny. Sometimes people will be like, well, I drew a line in the sand and they'll tag me. And I'm like, where yeah. is it? <laughs> it feels like <laughs> it. See, because it does yeah. it right to, to them. It feels like the biggest thing they've ever done. And I want to validate that that's how it works. Like you work your yeah. way up through these vulnerability PRs over yep. time. 
to the point when you look back at like your very first like scary action item and you're like, oh, that was a piece yeah. of cake. But it feels in that way moment. in the moment. So for sure, you don't just come in and be like, okay, I'm going to be at the level of maestro or Jill Fit or whatever. It's more just like I'm going to take my next step and I'm going to then – like you always say, then I'm going to see the evidence that I survived it, that I didn't die. And then maybe I could take that next step and that next yeah. step. And then it's two years later and you're like, wow, I can't even believe I was even worried totally. about showing my face on Instagram stories. Totally. I do it every day now, right? Like, But you have these vulnerability PRs that you have to work up, especially in those beginning stages. And over time, it just becomes regular, totally. but you got to start somewhere. So like asking yourself, what is my relationship to attention? Because if you're like, I hate attention, whether or not you know it, you are subconsciously sabotaging yourself. Like if you're like, I hate attention, you're not going to show up. And so you don't have to love attention, but you also have to just see it as a means to an end. Like if you want a, a successful personal brand, people are going to be looking. It's personal. And believe me, you want, you'd rather people look than That's not it. look. It's personal. And you get to choose the type of attention that you are outwardly um, in, and intentionally looking to cultivate. People are still going to do whatever the fuck they want. But you do have a say, at least initially, in the you know in what how you're showing up on your side of things. Their journey is their business, and so you can't control that. But you will have a say in that side of things. You said something there, and I was like, I want to come back to it. Well, I do love the way that just back to attention because there are so many ways to arrive at success. And one of the things I love about how our brands are so different is like you barely ever post pictures of yourself. Like that's not a big thing that you, that's not something you have needed to do, wanted to do to build a successful brand. Whereas for me, I came up in like the fitness totally. modeling space and like for me, and I've toned it way down in terms of how many photos of myself that I was sharing. So I think you can have both. You it's never true. need to share a selfie on the internet if you don't want to, totally. but you, but then if it's not gonna be that, then Something what's else. another way to connect with That's people, it. right? You still have to connect with people in some way. That's it, 100%. And if it's not, you know, your face or showing yourself on video, you got to figure, figure out. out another way to connect. Figure it out, 100%. I love that Jill brings up that very tangible example. Like, I am not a picture person, but I'll be in a video all fucking day. Then I'll talk all fucking day and I'll talk literally all day. I'll do a podcast, I'll do a you know, video, a reel or whatever. So figuring that out, and yes, you will get attention. And that is actually the goal so that you can go and help people there's definitely I mean, if you're not doing shit no one's paying not saying shit like i think that that's it's been interesting i'm working with older clients when i say older i'm talking to people in their like 60s and 70s and them being like there's a narcissistic i hate that word but they they throw that yeah. out of like it feels like socialized that's what it kind of feels like socialized uh narcissism and i'm like got it and so like i love that one of the things you said was and this is how in the online business in general holds up a mirror and forces you to be like, how do I feel about these things? Why do I feel about feel this way about these things? And do I want to change that? Do I want to address it? Like you're going to have to whatever, any of the things, money, attention, any of the things. But I wanted to back it up because as we were talking about that person saying, is it worth it? And, you know, one of the things I'm saying is change your metrics, make it worth it, but also change your metrics um, in terms of what makes it feel like it's a, a win. I get it. Looking at sales. Yes, I want you to consider sales because this is a business. But it's cool because we have people that we're working with now in Legacy and um, they're going through launches. And one of them foxed me the other day and she was, she, it is her biggest launch yet. But we were like, I don't know, she was like halfway through and she was just like, <laughs> oh, she wasn't even halfway through it because she just did the lead bank. She was like, I did the, yeah, yeah, I did the, uh, I did the, I did the webinar and I didn't shit my pants. I didn't feel like I was going to shit my pants. I was really excited about it. And she's like, that's a big win. And I was like, yes, because when we first pitched to her the idea of like, yeah, I could do a webinar. She was like, I could never, I could like, oh my God. 
And I was like, what? And she had all the reasons, you know, very valid for her for not doing it. And she's doing them now. And it's no problem. And she doesn't need the support, moral support, anything like that, or the rah-rahs. And is able to also, on the other side of it, choose to believe that evidence. That's a big thing, right? You got to choose to believe it. You see it, you generate it. Some people choose not to believe it. And she's like, look, Mm. I showed up. And I did it, and I literally, exact words, I didn't feel like I was going to shoot my pants. I wasn't worried about it. And I was like, that's a win. I'm so excited for you. And also, like, just validating the fact that no one is good. Like, believe me, like, some of my earliest videos were terrible. Like, I was looking down. I would say, um, the whole time. I would mumble. Like, my energy was terrible. Everything was bad. But the only thing that I was able to do was just press publish. It's and so huge. many people aren't because they're constantly judging that it. I knew it was fucking terrible. Huge. I was like, but look, I got to be at the gym in five minutes. I have no <laughs> to do it. I don't have no time to so do it joke. again. So and also, I know that the, I'm like, also, this is the smallest my audience is ever going to be is right now. So I might as well get my fuck ups in now because, you know, it's the least it amount is. of people that's going to be looking. It is. It is. I love, I love this. I think that we... That we have, again, this is like speaks to the complimentary side of things where, you know, you listening, you can take it as people's things are bad in the beginning or you have the athlete brain. And like, I know that Jill is also incredibly proud of those things that were done, right? Like there's that, there's that uh, phrase that's around that goes around. That's like, if you, if you don't cringe at like what your earliest work was, you waited too long. And I'm also like, or you can just say, I really, I'm really fucking proud of where I started like it was the best I could do and also it was really fucking good because there is that level of excellence that you probably listening to this because like attracts like that you probably hold yourself to and you know so there's different multiple sides of that I think there's a way to because I think a lot of people will beat themselves up for not being better I think there's a way to appreciate how far you've come and at the same time still want to get better and I think that's the sweet spot right I think the sweet spot's being able to look back at and celebrate the wins and not beat yourself up and just look at it clinically, you know, and just go like, I was, you know, I was 28 years old and I was full time at the gym and I was, you know, doing my best. And this is the early days. And I just showed up and I was so grateful that I did and that I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I hadn't done those, had those early reps and just recognize them for what they are. No one expects you to be perfect. You're the only person who expects you to be perfect. Being able to hold both, you know, so much of the things you're saying, like, it's just such a, you say this all the time, but how business really holds up a mirror and it also forces you to, it forces you to examine all the parts of your life. And the things you're saying, this is holds true to any part of your life where people, people that are going to be super hard on themselves business-wise, I know that they're super hard on themselves in, in life. Like I'm thinking about someone specifically right now who's nothing with business. We play volleyball together and she's so hard on herself. And I'm like, if you started a business, I already know what kind of client you would be, where it would take so much to be like, and this is what, this is also another reason to hire coaches. It's like someone's going to remind you, like, actually, take a moment, take a pause, and let's compare this to where you know where you were, what you're doing now, and let's take a moment to actually choose to fucking believe the evidence. But that may be just how you are, which is okay. We go and have some self reflection there and introspection, and we're like, okay, I know that I have a tendency towards this, and also I can learn how to hold those things. So, well, and also like when people are like, I my launch didn't do well, and I look at their numbers, I'm like, actually, it did really well. That- Sometimes you just don't know, know, right? Like that's the thing. That's the benefit of of you and I having just had so many clients and we've done it ourselves so many times. Like when people come in and they're like, I should have, and I'm like, stop right there. Like I should have sold more. That would have been a 50% conversion rate. What What are you? 
Coach, <laughs> coach me then. Magic. Coach me. <laughs> right. And so, but they'll, they'll convert at like 15, 20%, which I'm like, you know, industry standards like yeah, two to three percent, right? And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, I guess it wasn't that bad. I'm like, no, you fucking killed exactly. it. So I also think you need someone who can see all the angles. That's the best thing about having a coach is to go like, oh, what is, and again, like, it's not that we want you guys to be average either, right? If you were in the, like mm-hmm. the two, 3% conversion, we'd be looking at like, okay, how can we get a little bit better? How can we get to like five, 6%, 7%? We're still always going to push that. It's never like, oh, that's great. There's always room to improve. I'm constantly investing in small things in my own business to like tweak, tweak, tweak. But I think there's value in having someone who is a step ahead, you a five steps ahead, 10 steps ahead, who can bring you back to earth. Because how would Big you know? I, I mean, know. this is like we get a client who wants to lose weight and they they lose like two pounds in the first week and they feel like it's not enough. And I'm like, dude, that's like a great fucking yeah, two pounds in a week. Are you kidding me? Like, let's go. That, that. Again, you got to bring you got to bring it back to what you know, what you can expect and what's, what is quote unquote good, what's excellent. And then how we can get better. Cause that's really where a lot, don't you feel like that's where a lot of the emotional sort of misery comes Absolutely. from? Is expectation, expectation mismanagement, hundred percent mismanagement, whether that's because they just have no idea. And that's like great person because they don't have any idea. And then when you tell them, they're like, Oh, amazing. Or it's that they like hear some crazy nonsense from a shitty marketer. And you're like, that's a lie though. So we have to unlearn that de-educate and then, but that's, huge expectation management or expectation mismanagement across the board is huge. And then we like every call we're like, please repeat back what conversion rates are (laughs) because I know you're going to forget it and then you're going to launch and then you're going to be feeling some kind of way. We want to make sure. Jill, I'm still getting time. I want to talk about one more thing and then, then we'll dip because we got three more episodes folks, but uh, are we taking uh, are we taking listener questions? Fuck yeah. Are we doing our own thing? I mean, clearly Jill and I could bullshit for hours and hours, but we should always take listener questions, so we will do that. How do you want to do that, Jill? Uh, DM uh, Shantae, the movie maestro. Perfect. Send Shantae a DM with yes. your question, and she'll relate to me when it's time to turn on the mic. That is actually 100% what we're going to do. So <laughs> you can DM me, um, and we'll also get together a Google form, and we'll drop that in the show notes of both both episodes. Um, excuse me, on both podcasts and also on YouTube. And so if you want to submit via uh, Google form, you can do that. This way we know for sure it doesn't get lost in the sauce. And then we'll answer your questions uh, as we go. I love that. That is 100% how Jill and I work and it works out great. I love it. Um, The question that, that I wanted to ask, because today we're talking about uh, doing the thing. All right, what it takes to actually get started, kind of the rub that's there, how we get past that friction, and what it, what it takes to actually keep going. We talked a little bit about what it looks like to, to get better, right? Because it's not just about do the thing, it's how do you do it better. Uh, but something that Jill and I have talked about, something that you and I have talked about, Jill, is can anyone do it? Can anyone do this online business thing? I, I don't think so. From a from like a technical perspective, like a strategy perspective, logistically, I think anyone can do it. What I don't believe that everyone can handle is are probably the emotional swings that can come with business. Not because you're going to be crying every day. In fact, if your business coach is saying that it's normal to cry every day in your business or have nervous breakdowns, please run, run far, <laughs> far away. But there is a certain temperament. I do believe that people who want this thing to work have to be a little bit more courageous than the average person. I think they have to be a little bit more okay with a little bit of uncertainty than the average person. And I think they have to be a little, they have to work a little bit harder than the average person, to be honest. They have a little bit less lazy than the average person. I think there are personality traits that do a lot better. Um, 
do I think some of that stuff can be learned? Yes, but I think you'll know if you are the kind of person, if you've been at this for a while and you're in constant misery. This you know, I see these job. messages on social media of from business coaches being like, you know, do you even have a business if you're not having a mental breakdown every day? And I'm like, what business are you running? Like, why is that? Why are you doing that? You know, like at the end of the day, and I know you and I have that same mentality. It doesn't mean that things aren't hard. It doesn't mean there aren't puzzles to solve and, you know, new levels, new devils sort of thing. But at the end of the day, like you should like doing this on some level, even in the moments where you're struggling or feeling challenged, you realize that it's an opportunity to better yourself. And that's really, you kind of have to have that growth mindset. So do I think everyone can do it? No. I used to believe that if you just tried hard enough, you could. I actually don't think it's necessarily about work ethic as much as it's about your ability to be resourceful, to trust yourself, to be resilient, and to really actually just love doing what it takes and having a level of like, I don't know, um, like sovereignty over your life. You know, I think a lot of people... Yeah. Their their thing in life isn't their business. For you and I, I know it is. Like first and foremost, you know, both of us in relationships mm-hmm. and we love our partners and things like that. But at the end of the day, like this is my baby. Like this is my thing. You know, like this is always going to be here for me. I have 100% control over it all the time. And that gives me a sense of peace. So I think for other people, it's their kiddos or it's their, you know, marriage or it's whatever. And th- those things are great. But I do think you have to have a love for entrepreneurship, not just a love for the industry that you're in, that right? Part. You don't have to just that love part. PT or love fitness or love nutrition. You have to have a, a real love that. for entrepreneurship and, and business Dude, skills. I think that I think that it makes sense that because you've been doing it for so long, Jill, I think it makes sense that at some point everyone that entered could do it because those people were entrepreneurs. Like you had to like find this thing. Now it's just like dropped in front of you. If you have Instagram, you're probably seeing someone that has a business or someone that's talking about a business, even if you have no fucking desire to do anything with business. Whereas before like you had to actually be like i'm looking for this i'm searching this out i'm seeking this out i'm actually like trying to do something with this so i think it makes sense that at some point there probably anyone who did start could do it because it was a certain type of person that was starting it was a person that loved that entrepreneurial spirit and was like i'm in my basement making amazon like yeah so well i always like how you say like you don't have to do this you know, like you don't have to, I mean, I think, you know, you and I talk about it because we love it. So we, so we're like, shit, we love this. Everyone should do this, but not everyone can do it. So what would be your answer to that? Well, I think, I think you stole the words, like it isn't for everyone. And I think that if I'm just going to add on instead of reiterate, it's that if you decide it's not for you, you learn it's not for you, or you are that person that's just like constantly crying. Like it's not, it's not a character reflection. It's not a fault. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't make you lesser than I think that some people's people that I've mm-hmm. worked with, that we worked with want to stick with it to prove it to themselves or just something. There's just like an external force there. And dude, you know, life's too short to be fucking miserable and doing shit that you hate. Like go to something else. It does not reflect negatively on your character. You're not less than or less worthy. You know, I see it in the PT space where we're in this like cash based Renaissance and I'm like, fuck it. If you want to take insurance and fucking do it, like you're not less than because of it. Like, Figure out what's going to allow you to create your best life. Go ahead and do that. 100%. Love that. 100%. It's a good one. All right, y'all. Well, thank you. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I got one more That's thing. I have for the people, except – Oh, you do? I got one okay. more thing. We got, we got to finish it up with bullshit. So I got – you got any <laughs> – Oh, I got some bullshit? Yeah, I got some bullshit. So I'm going to ask, do you have – because I have one in mind if you don't. Do you have any bullshit that you want to share? Anything you want to just drop out there? No, nope, okay. but I'll get some ready for next I'm going to prompt you on this. And the bullshit is, okay. uh, Jill said earlier that we launched Legacy in 
Vegas, which we do. Uh, you want to share the story of the underboob, Jill? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is actually fucking hilarious. So we go to Vegas, and Shantae and I, we like to do it up. So we're like, you know what? We got to be in the headspace. We got to be in the energy. We're about to launch this, this brand new offer. We're super excited. We got to the as if principle, right? We got to, so we end up going to the, the pool. We end up renting the day bed. So we're putting down some, some money for that. We're there where the energy is good. It's great. We're like, all right, we're here. It's like nice dinner, getting dressed up. Like to me, it's part, it's part of the whole process, right? It's like, Hey, we got to get into the element. And one of the things that we were putting together a sales page and I was like, I, this fucking thing is so good. Like I do feel bad for people who don't, who don't apply to be honest. And I still feel that way. But the funniest thing, so we're out at the pool, and at the next day bed over, it's like a bunch of women, nice. young girls, not young nice. girls, but like in their yeah. 20s probably, good-looking group. You know, it's funny. In research, they show that when a group of men or a group of women are together, our perception is that they're all attractive. Mm, can hide. Versus if you start looking at them individually, yeah. and you're like, oh, actually, they're not, not that attractive. But like as a group, we go, oh, there's a group of hot <laughs> girls or a group of hot guys or whatever, right? talk about this on the best Get life. focused people. And so Shantae is at the pool. She has her laptop. Did I bring mine? No, but Shantae has one. hers. She's working. Just need She's one. working at the pool. And one of the ladies next to us, the day club had one of those bikinis. You guys have seen these that like have that little under boob thing, thing. that was in That's style like two years yeah. ago. Right. It was the thing. And, uh, she looks good. She did. And so then I have eyes. Shantae's side. She's done with work. Yes. And she goes, you know, I need a break. And then she goes, where's the girl with the underboob, Jill? Where'd she go? I need to take a break. Where'd she go? Where'd she go? Where'd she go? I don't know where she went. Maybe in the pool? I don't know. I don't know, but we're waiting to for her because that was going to be your that entertainment was the that was the when, break. We, when you take a break. That was the reward. Where's the girl with the underboob? I'll never forget it. I don't, I don't know where she went. Now I have no eyes because I'm in a very committed relationship, but at the time had eyes and the underboob was it. So that's the bullshit. I mean, I was looking too. Yeah, I was good. like- that's it was nice. good. Where do you get that? Just suit? like appreciate it. And I was like, wow. I think that was one of, also like one of the first ones I'd seen. I think I went out with Jen, Doc Jen Fit, to one of their her events, and like somebody else had been to like that. And I was just like, wow, this is a thing. Like, it's a thing. Huh. The, the side boob is like so five years not, ago. Yeah, if you don't want that, it's under. Under boob, boob is I was in. Like, wow, that is. We're here for it. That's a thing. And then I saw it in Vegas, and I was like, ah, this is a good thing. And for then a I'm like, we're here for it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, folks. There is our bullshit. You got the business. You got the bullshit. You got the besties. <laughs> this is episode number one of four, bringing you these every Monday or the first four Mondays in October, bringing you a different topic each week. And if you want some questions answered, you can slide into my DMs at The Movement My Show or click the link that's in the show notes and submit it via the Google form. That's probably going to be the easiest. So gentle nudge to do that way. That one is where they have them all in one spot and we will get back to you in the next episode. Anything else from awesome. you, Jill? And yeah, last thing is we do have a wait list going for legacy. So Courtney, if you could put that in the show notes, that would be amazing. Um, and if you guys want to go and check out that page, it's a very basic, just waitlist form. There's absolutely no obligation to be on it, but we do let waitlisters know uh, in advance when applications are opening, they get early dibs, they get first dibs, all that good stuff. So make sure you put your name on that waitlist in the show notes. 
And that's all we got for you guys. We'll see you next week. So good. How cool is that that we can both be like, hey, Courtney, drop it. Because we got the same podcast editor. Courtney's the best. I got her from Jill, right? She's amazing. But that's all that we got for you folks, as always, endlessly, endlessly, and it's appreciative for every single one of you. We know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us, but also like, of course you did. Come on. Business, bullshit, and besties. Until next episode, we'll be next Monday. Jill Fit and Maestro. Bye.